Ephesians chapter 5 is where we'll be this morning. Ephesians chapter 5, just three verses together. A simple word, uh, not a shallow word, but a simple word this morning to get us started uh, in a new year. Verse 15 of Ephesians chapter 5, Paul says this. He says, pay careful attention then to how you walk. Not as unwise people, but as wise. Making the most of the time because he says the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Very simple, very straightforward text this morning. A few months ago, maybe about a year ago now, my sister was in town. And uh, we had done the exploring in Nashville and Franklin and all this stuff. And uh, finally, I landed back at our house with really nothing to do. And she was like, hey, there's a movie that I want to watch. And I was like, okay. So what movie? She was like, well, technically, I think it's a play. I was like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. And then she said, well, technically, I think it's actually a musical about history. And I said, well, technically, I'm going to bed. Um, (laughs) Because that is is not what I'm here for. Uh, But it was a musical called Hamilton. And it was, uh, I gave it a chance. I'd I'd heard maybe rumblings about it, but had not actually seen it. And we gave it a chance, uh, just being a good brother, being a good sport, and living outside of myself. And I did eventually go to bed, but um, we gave it a shot, right? And uh, by about the third song, man, I was in. Like, it's got something on it. Like, there's, there's there's some talent on that stage. It was a live, if you're not familiar, it's a live performance that was recorded and made into a film. And it follows Alexander Hamilton, one of our early leaders in our country, and follows his story along with several other key leaders in our, in our early days of our nation. And man, it was impressive. It, the, the, the quality of the music was unbelievable. All, who knew all founding fathers could all sing and dance? Like, it was nuts. Um, I was just like, they did not teach this in my school. Like, so um, it, it was really a very impressive. If you end up watching it, I recommend subtitles because it moves real fast. Um, but it is, it is incredible. And uh, it follows the story of a guy named Alexander Hamilton. Here's Hamilton, an orphan. Uh, he's the, the, uh, uh, in the middle of a fledgling country, a, a young up-and-coming nation. And he is gifted. He's a, he's a talented writer. He's a gifted leader, a brilliant mind of his day. And he has a unique opportunity to make history. One of the refrains that comes up early in the song, early in the musical, is a song where he says this, I'm not throwing away my shot. I'm not throwing away my shot. Hey, yo, I'm young, scrappy, and hungry. I'm just like my country. I'm not throwing away my... Oh, I get it. Y'all spiritual. Y'all don't... Y'all, y'all, it's not gospel, so y'all don't listen to it, huh? No, I'm not throwing away my shot. The central theme of that song and the musical itself is this idea that Hamilton had to do everything that he could, how important it was for him to take full advantage of a unique opportunity that was gifted to him. The moment that he was living in, he had to take full advantage of the opportunity to make the most of his shot. But besides the quality of the performance, the music, the rhythm, all of the acting, I think what resonated with most people was that message. All of us connect at some level with that message of the the urgency of the moment, This, this message that there's only one life that we have. We only get one shot at this thing, right? Isaiah would say it this way, life is like grass, here for a moment and then cut down. 
James says life is like the morning dew. Here for a moment, appears for a moment, and then it's gone. Forrest Gump said life is like a box of chocolate. Y'all heard it too, right? <laughs> Hebrews says it's appointed unto man once to die. And then the judgment. Listen, I don't care how much whole food shopping you do, you're going to die. All them cranberry salads and mineral waters, you ain't getting out of here, brother. Like, I'm just telling you. The writer's very clear. He says, you are going to die. It's appointed unto man at once to die. We only get one shot at this thing. And so this morning, coming to our text, that's the, that's the theme. Starting a new year, obviously, the clock's turned last night, and here we are in the beginning of 2023 together. There's all that comes with that. Hopes and dreams and aspirations and all sorts of goals that... Can, can become the central part of our, our thought. And this is the heart of our text today. With the book of Ephesians, it's a rare letter that Paul wrote because it's the only one that he wrote that he wasn't mad at anybody. If you think about it, he wasn't dealing with anything that the Corinthian church was dealing with. He wasn't dealing with anything going on in Galatia. Really, the book of Ephesians, he takes a completely different approach. Chapters 1 through 3, in fact, he doesn't give a single instruction in the whole first three chapters of Ephesians. He doesn't give a rebuke, a correction. He doesn't give any level of an instruction. What does he do? He just says, hey, I want to take a minute. I want to remind you of how much God loves you. And so in chapter 1, in verse number 11, he says things like this. In Christ, we have listened to it, obtained an inheritance that was predestined according to the will of God. Paul says that by, before you were even a thought, God had a destination on your life. You are not an accident. You're not a mistake. You are chosen by God and you are, listen to it, secure. Not only are you secure, but you have been giving something you didn't earn. Because in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul would write that we are saved by grace through faith. It is not of our own doing. It is the gift of God. You couldn't earn it. You couldn't deserve it. You, you didn't get there by dotting your spiritual I's and crossing your spiritual T's. Your Bible study didn't get you saved. Your quiet time didn't save you. Your church membership didn't save you. You were not saved by the Bible in a year reading plan. You looked up this morning, hello, somebody. No, you're saved by grace through faith. It's not of your own doing. What does he say? It's the, the love, the gift of God. And then he goes on in chapter 3, and he says it so beautifully. Verse 20, he says, let me tell you how much God loves you. And he wants to do exceedingly and abundantly above. More than you could ever ask or think or imagine. So much God loves you. So by the time we get to chapter 5, if you think about how Paul has set this up through chapters 1 through 3, by the time we get to chapter 5, the Christian life has turned from a have to to a get to. For a God who loves me that much, for a God who has done all that he has already done for me, man, how could I not live for him? How could I not be obedient? How could I not follow? How could I not be committed because of a God who's already done what he's done? Paul says very, very plainly in verse 15, he says, pay careful attention then to how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time, 
because the days are evil. In the previous section of this letter, just the verses right before it, Paul has given the contrast to the Ephesians of, of the difference between those who walk in the darkness and those who walk in the light. And he details the perils of walking in the darkness and, and gives the warning at that point of, hey, don't be like these people. And he says this in verse 15 after he has talked about the contrast of darkness to light. He says, pay careful attention. What is he saying? Holy and righteous living doesn't happen by accident. He says, you have to pay, pay attention. Stay alert. Work. Be diligent. He says, pay careful attention. And Paul says there's a bunch of stuff that you can get caught up in in this life. He says, unwise versus wise. The days are evil. There's a bunch of stuff that you can get caught up in in this life. Walking wisely is not going to be as simple as it sounds. The days are evil. There's a real enemy out there. And he has plans for your life too. John 10 says that his plans are to steal and to kill and to destroy. He is not content to kick his feet up on the coffee table and just watch you live a godly life. He's got plans. Paul says you're going to have to work. You're going to be diligent. Be careful. Watch how you walk. Pay careful attention. It's not just going to happen because you want it to. You're not going to accidentally live a righteous life. You're going to have to stay alert. To work, stay awake, pay attention. And then he says this in verse 16. I love this. He says, make the most of the time. In the original language, this is a fascinating phrase. This is as technical as this Sunday school lesson gets this morning. The, the word make the most of is the Greek word ex agarazzo, which actually translates to buy from. So to make the most of means to buy from. And then he says of the time. Typically, there's two different Greek words that are used for time most frequently. The first one is chronos, where we get chronology from. It is 11.24 in the morning, the specific time. At midnight last night, we turned a new year. That's not the word Paul uses here. Paul doesn't use the word chronos. Paul uses the word kairos, which means season. So Paul, literally translating this, would say buy from this season. Uh, not too long ago, it was a Saturday where my wife, uh, she was in the morning, she said, hey, uh, I'm going to go out and pick up a couple of things. I'll be back in a little while. And I was writing a paper. I didn't care. I was like, okay, whatever. So about three or four hours later, she comes back to the house and comes to the front door and she says, hey, can you help me unload the car? I was like, yeah. Well, what, what did you get? I thought you were just picking up a few things. And so I, I, I walked outside her car, and I found a concerning number of bags, <laughs> just unsettled. <clears throat> and I, I was like, she came back out to the car and said, Catherine, are we going to war? Like, what, what, what's happening here? Like, what, what's going on? Like, what, what? And she, I'll never forget, she said that. She said, babe, you'll be so proud of me. She said, because I saved you so much money today because there was a sale. I said, baby, I can't afford for you to keep saving me this much money. <laughs> What's she saying? Hey, I was at the store, and there was a unique opportunity, and I bought up as much as I could. Paul says, that's how I want you to see your life. You have been given a unique opportunity. Buy up as much as you can for the kingdom. You got one shot at this. There's a deadline on the opportunity. You're all going to die. Buy up as much as you can. Whatever you can to move the kingdom forward. Paul says this is how your life needs to look. So how do we do that? How do we make the 
most of it. I love when the Bible keeps going. A lot of times the questions can get answered if you keep reading. Verse 17, he says this, So, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. This word understand means to grasp, to grab a hold of, to, to recognize, to consider, to, to realize what the Lord's will is. The very idea, don't miss it, the very idea that Paul would give this instruction means that there is something to understand. Meaning, there really is an actual will for God, of God on your life. There is an actual plan for God, that God has for your life. It's not just some vague, distant thing. No, God has a specific assignment. Paul says, take care to understand what that is. The reason we talk about purpose so much around here is because we know everybody has one. Mark Twain said it this way, the two most important days in your life are the day you're born and the day you find out why. We talk about purpose all the time. Paul says the same way. He says, do what you can, work hard to understand what the Lord's will is. Listen to me, church. God, the day you were born, God did not press play on your life and hope for the best. He's not that distant. He didn't just say, well, here goes nothing. We'll see what she does of it. We'll see what he can make of himself. We'll, we'll see how this works. No, he didn't do that. He's involved. He's, he's, he's directly connected. He's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose. He's got a specific assignment, a specific task that only you, only you can accomplish. In Exodus chapter 3, there's a, oh, we get a window seat in chapters 3 and 4 into a story of a conversation between God and a man named Moses. Moses is a shepherd. And Moses tending sheep in a town called Midian, working for his father-in-law. He's just tending sheep every day. That's what he does. It's my job. It's what I'm good at. It's what I've worked hard to do. And he's got a staff, probably a little bigger than this one. This is from the kids' ministry. Um, so I promise it's not like miniature size. Um, but he's got a staff similar to this one. He's just going out into, the, into the, the field, and he's shepherding the sheep. And God shows up by way of a burning bush that is uh, on fire but is not consumed. And God says, hey, Moses, I want you to go, and I want you to, to pick up uh, your things. I want you to go, and I want you to be the guy, my spokesperson to Pharaoh. I want you to be the person that, that leads my people out of slavery and into freedom. I want you to go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. You would think the call like this, Moses would be excited about that. Moses is not excited about that. And Moses begins to argue with God about, well, I, I, don't, I can't do this, I can't do that, I, don't, I can't speak well, I don't have this ability. What if they do this? What if they do that? What if they ask this? And eventually God just stops and he goes, Moses, what's in your hand? He says, a staff. Throw it on the ground, Moses. He throws it on the ground, turns into a snake, and the Bible says that Moses ran away, which is so affirming for me. <laughs> and then God says, pick it up, Moses. He picks the snake up by the tail and it turns back into a staff. God says, I have an assignment on your life. And that assignment starts with what's in your hand. What are your gifts? What are your passions? What have I already given you? You see, we can get it messed up sometimes, can't we? Where we think that this will of God, this, this purpose that God has for our life is so far from where we currently live. Like if, yeah, I know if I surrender myself to the Lord and he's going to put me on a plane to Yemen tomorrow morning at 6.30, like that there's just going to be this crazy distant call that we, we it requires something that is not, we're not good at, we don't care about, that is completely foreign to us. And yet 
It's not what God did with Moses. Don't miss it. God didn't tell Moses to stop being a shepherd. He changed who he shepherded. Went from sheep to people. He didn't, he didn't tell him, hey, give, give everything up. He just said, no, I want you to use that same gift. I want you to take what's in your hand. And I have to believe he changed the staff to the snake to show him who was really in charge of his gift. What's in your hand? Watch what I can do with it. He didn't tell Moses to stop being a shepherd, to change everything about himself. He just said, hey, I want you to go shepherd differently. God put that wiring in Moses. He knew he was a shepherd at heart, right? God knew exactly how he had gifted him. He just reserved the right to repurpose it. And so the question for you and me today, as we start a a new year and, and press forward into 2023, is very simple. What's in your hand? What is it that God has gifted you with? What is it that He's resourced you with. What is it that you are passionate about that when you do it, you feel God smile on you? And how could you let him use it? What does surrender really look like? What does making the most of your opportunity really look like? It may not have to be. Now, maybe there is a radical change in front of you, but maybe it's just, hey, God's gifted you in this way and you've just used it for yourself. That I've just used it for my own advancement, my own career, my own family, my own benefit. And yet... There's a skill set, there's a, an ability, there's a talent, there's a, a gift that I've been given that I could let him use. It may not require some overhaul of your life, it might just require an open hand. You look down and you say, here's what I've got. Here's, here's I've got a staff. I've got, to, to put it in our neighborhood for a minute, I've got, the ability, I'm good with numbers, I'm good with money. I'm a great teacher. I'm a good communicator. I'm a, I'm a compassionate person. I'm, I'm hospitable. I, I, I'm all these different gifts, and yet we've never stretched those muscles. And God says, hey, what's in your hand? Start there. Take it back to our text. Paul says to make the most of your opportunity, make the most of the time, to buy from the moment. It's going to require you Understand the will of God. And I'm here to tell you this morning that oftentimes the will of God is not as distant as you think. It's right in front of you. What's in your hand? Church, could we be a a people in 2023 that that make it a a point, that decide even on the first day of the year, hey, I am not throwing away my shot. I'm not throwing it away. I'm opening my hands up. I'm... As the words of Hamilton, I'm young, scrappy, and hungry. I'm just like my country. I'm not throwing away what God's given me. You know, it means a lot to us that you would come here today and be a part of who we are. It really does matter to us more than you might realize. Sometimes I think we underestimate the power we have to influence people. You know, if you would look around your world, you'd be amazed at how many people would receive what you have to say to them. You could be a digital missionary. You don't have to post everything on Facebook or we're not asking you to go on your favorite social platform, but I would challenge you to look around your world. I guarantee you might have a friend, even in a different state or another part of the world, something was said today, whether a sermon, a prayer, a song, something was said that could mean a lot to them, man, send it to them. You'd be amazed at how much of a difference that could make.